Okay, my name is Modavio, and this is my podcast, No Love Signs. And someday soon, it's going to have a really awesome theme song. And it's going to be sad and mopey, and my friend Phil Jarapu is going to sing it and write it. But he hasn't gotten it to me yet, but I really wanted to uh, put this up online. So here is my rendition of what I think the theme song is going to sound like. No love signs, everyone is sad, dating is hard, especially when you're older, and I'm sad, and you're sad too, and here's a podcast to make you less sad. Um, he'll probably do better than that. Anyway, my name is Mo, and here's the first episode of No Love Signs. Months ago, I was on Twitter, and a friend of mine in Vermont, where I lived most of 2017, and is, in my mind, a magical land of anti-capitalist wonders and maple syrup and bluegrass music, posted a photo of a post in the town of Plainfield. It was an official municipal-looking sign that said, No Love Signs, Town of Plainfield. And at first, I was like, What? It turns out there's a no sign ordinance in Plainfield, Vermont, and the townspeople who had taken to making cute hand-painted signs with the word love and sticking them to this particular post were told to stop. What we need now, I thought, are more love signs, not fewer. And then the sign that said no love signs became, in my mind, a metaphor for trying to date in one's 40s and how it's hard. And it doesn't seem like it needs to be hard, but it is. And I'm always looking around for love signs and finding none or finding them lacking and wondering what's wrong with me and what's wrong with everyone else, as a woman especially. Once you come into your power and consciousness and have some accomplishments behind you and have learned from your mistakes, the percentage of false starts, rejections, and mismatched expectations start to wear on you. It seems like I have this post covered with signs that say love and then someone's always telling me to take them down. If you'd like to submit a question for my review, send them to nolovescience at gmail.com. And I and one of my super smart friends, like today's guest letter answerer, the lovely and talented Melissa Duclo, will try and lead you to a place of wisdom, if not completely fixing your life for you. So for my first episode, I've invited my friend, novelist, writer, proponent of small press books, single mom, and all-around top-notch gal Melissa Duclo. And uh, you and I are both not strangers to heartbreak, and we've written extensively about it and yes which is why yes. i picked you to be my first co-letter answerer i am very honored thank you thank you melissa so shall i have you read our first letter i would be happy to read it yes okay from our first letter writer i was dating a guy for about a year and a half Last July, he started saying that he wasn't sure he wanted to be in a relationship, and he even disappeared for a week. We got back to dating, but I told him I couldn't trust that he wouldn't do this again. After that, things were never really the same, and I felt like he took me for granted and didn't really like me. I had stopped calling him my boyfriend by then. In October, I went to dinner with him and his friends, and he handed me $100 as an I'm sorry gesture out of the blue. Still, things didn't totally improve. I took him out for his birthday in December and saw him a week later to exchange gifts and have lunch. That was December 23rd, and to date, I haven't heard from him. I have left him messages and texts, some angry, some sad, some imploring. I don't understand how he won't talk to me. I really don't know what the whole issue was. He is separated from an alcoholic wife, is insecure, and has been on antidepressants for over 15 years. I am so sad over this. I miss him tremendously, but after some thought, I really miss what we had prior to July. I should have listened when he said he didn't want to be in a relationship. 
but he wanted to do this again too. What are your thoughts? Oh, I definitely have some thoughts. I thought you might. So, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about the phrase, I don't want to be in a relationship. Because I have heard that so many times dating in Portland that I caught it, I, I've started calling it the Portland rejection. Mm. You know, it's mm-hmm. just sort of, it, it, the person who says that thinks that they're being kind by not giving a solid no. But what they're doing isn't kind because the person that does not want the relationship to end is not hearing the no, and the word no is not in that sentence, obviously. And so it gets wide open left to interpretation in really bad ways. So, you know, when I've heard it, I think to myself, oh, well, maybe he doesn't want to be in a relationship now, but in a few months he'll come back around. Or, well, I guess that just means he doesn't want to be in a relationship with me. And like, the truth is, it doesn't really matter what the person saying it means really means by it because it's a no and you have to just train yourself to hear that for what it is which is quite simply no yeah so here i agree with that i think this this letter writer is kind of bearing some responsibility for not you know i should have listened i should have um I think that this, it is a no, but it's also this bullshit thing that men do, which is expect women to be their emotional interpreters. So if this guy that she was dating seems pretty incapable of being clear with his feelings, and the the letter writer, I think, rather than saying he's incapable of being clear with his feelings and therefore is not a person I should want to date, her response is, he's incapable of communicating his feelings and I must have not done a good enough job interpreting them. Right. This Ugh. this letter writer is is bearing way too much of the weight of this situation that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, but he never, he also didn't, you know, give a solidify, a solid no. He hung around, you know, he, and he kind of weaseled his way back in. And if I were to sort of take a shot at interpreting what he meant by, I don't want to be in a relationship... Um, I would say that what he was trying to tell her is, I want a relationship with you with severely reduced expectations. Yes. Yes. The, the, um, having his cake and eating it too. Can we use right. that metaphor? Sure. Is yeah. that apt? Yeah. You know, he, you say, you write that he, you felt like he took you for granted, writer. And if you felt that way, he probably did, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think what was interesting to me in her letter was also that she said, I felt like he didn't really like me. Right. Um, and that's where I kind of want to pause and just ask what, you know, if, if this letter writer were here with us, I'd want to know what was, what did she value about this relationship that she misses? If it, if it became something where she felt taken for granted and like he didn't even like her as a person. Right. It sounds like it was good for a while and then he went cold on her and then she tried to bring it back to its previous temperature, but he wasn't into it. Yeah. And rather than being clear and, you know, letting her down and walking away, he, you know, tried to keep what was good in it for him on the level that he wanted while being avoidant and leaving her to pine for what there once was. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think we're in agreement that we would both tell this, this woman that she should 
move on and forget about this guy. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. That's, that's we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. Oh. <laughs> I just jumped well, right No, that's ahead. fine. That's fine. <laughs> you know what? If you want to just, that writer, if you want to just go with, forget this guy, that, that works too. So. Yeah, but I do think, I, I think there's something, the idea of trying to mourn the loss of a relationship when you don't understand why it ended can be very difficult. Right. Um, but he was sending some pretty weird signals, like this $100. What so, was that about? So they were out at lunch with friends, and he, like, what, pulled $100 out of his pocket and was like, here. Like, I'm, I'm tr- I so wish I could have been at that table to see like, how that went down. <laughs> was he consciously making a shitty dude restitution payment? Like, it's like he took himself to, to civil court and adjudicated on his own that he owed her a hundred dollars in damages for being a shitty guy like what if that was his conclusion i would say he probably based on what she wrote owes her more than a hundred dollars right just gonna say how did he come up with a hundred dollars it's like that what you had spent on him for dinners and drinks and stuff or was it just like well this is a a round number i'll just give her a hundred bucks like what yeah i um that that was a new one for me. I've never heard of somebody having been shitty in a relationship and then just paying somebody. But I think it reveals that he knew that it was like a one-sided thing, that he was taking and not giving. And so his way to like make up for that was to pay with cash. Yeah, which is its, its own huge problem right there. Like that is a... I don't mean to laugh. I'm not laughing at the... I mean... You know, we've all, we have strong feelings for someone. We're going to not really make the best choices in the moment. So, yes. And she doesn't say if she accepted the money or. No, and I don't, I mean. Maybe if, that's not even important. No, I would have taken it, frankly. Yeah. Sure, give me a hundred bucks. And I, yes, I should clarify my laughter is coming from um, empathy. I've, I've never been on a date where anybody gave me money in that way but i have definitely had those experiences of just feeling like the person i was with um just didn't see me or acknowledge me as another human i don't know right. and, like it's i laugh because otherwise i'd cry it's so right. sad yeah it is sad i think we've all kind of been there i mean not with the like actual offer of cash but just sort of that moment where you realize that the person knows that they're being unfair and it's towing the line of unkindness and they want to step back or try to make it up, but they don't actually want to give you what you want. So this weird out of left field offer comes up instead. I think it, I think it definitely also reinforces my, my idea. The picture I have of this man is that he is not capable in any way of directly communicating his feelings. So he maybe should have just said to this person, Hey, I'm really sorry. I've been such a jerk. I'm clearly not in a place where I can be in a relationship. I think you're great. And I'm sorry I treated you like this. Right. And maybe he wasn't capable of doing that. And so instead he gave her a hundred dollars and thought that was the same. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Okay. Um, but yeah, it just, it, it, it seems like this was allowed to drag on just because there was a no, an unclearly stated no. And she was doing everything in her power to avoid hearing the no until the big no of a, a ghosting happened. Right. Which again is him not being capable of just being clear. And yeah, 
Yeah, so I would say this is a sad situation and I think my my ultimate advice is to this woman is to think about what you need for yourself to get over what you had um, and take the lesson away of, you know, the good things that were part of this relationship that you experienced before July, that those are things you want to look for in the future, but I don't think you're going to get them from this guy. Yeah, this guy, I mean, yeah, he's a terrible communicator and... You know, he he doesn't want to talk to her. Like, and that's sad and that's jerky. Um, but, you know, he's going to do what he wants to do. And rather than have an uncomfortable conversation, you know, he's just going to be quiet and not answer phone calls and texts. And that's not mature and that's not what this person deserves. So I always try to have as many uncomfortable conversations as possible early on in a relationship so I can see. Yeah. If the, if the other person you, is is game for it, like if they are up for uncomfortable conversations, then that to me is like a good. Do you have like a go to green light topic that you go to? Oh no! I mean, you know, it's it's like. I mean, I think being divorced is easy. The uncomfortable topics can always be like exes and how my marriage ended and things like that. Right. Um, but you can, you know, you can make anything uncomfortable. <laughs> sure. <laughs> So next next date, next guy you meet, just like start talking about your divorce if you have one or Yeah, just talk just, about this guy. Be like, this guy totally sucked. He did all this. He gave me a hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Test test people's communication skills. It's a good thing to do early on in dating. Yeah. But uh, if you learn anything from from No Love Signs, the podcast for dating relationships for people over 40, it's that I don't want to be in a relationship is just the coward's way of saying no. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. And don't don't contact this guy again. I know you asked that. Like, just let let it go. With my sincerest apologies. Okay. So moving on to the next question. Next question. I have a friend who I've known for five years, dear friend whom I love. He lives in another state and we have been platonic friends for a while. He is 40 and I am 42. We have both been mostly single the five years and we talk about our dating adventures. He seems to only date much younger women. The last girl he dated was 23 and when I confront him on this, he says he quote, prefers younger women. This has always irritated me about him, but I've accepted it. However, the more I struggle against this mentality from my peers as a single 40-something woman, I'm to the point that I'm done accepting shitty behavior from anyone, especially from the men in my life. On that same note, I'd hate to lose a friend. My life has seen a lot of loss in the last five years. I told him I can no longer stand by and condone condone this behavior, and I've explained all the reasons why it's not okay. But culturally, his choice is not only common, but supported. Do I just move on and accept this is how it is? Or do I say goodbye to a valuable friendship? Oh, okay. No love signs. Listeners, strap in. Because I feel like Mo and I are going to have a lot <sighs> yeah. to say about this. Okay. Where, where do we even begin? I'm going to start with this. No matter which choice you make, whether to end your friendship or white knuckle your way through watching this guy date 23-year-olds, you're the loser and it's going to hurt. And that's patriarchy and that's the world we live in and I'm sorry. So there's no good answer that's gonna make you feel good about yourself or about your choice. 
All right, way to start us out on a positive note. <laughs> You're Mo. welcome. It's full of hope, of uplifting <laughs> feelings. I'm sorry. But am I wrong? No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. You're at the, and this is, I think I really, um, when I read the questions that we were going to be talking about, this question really hit me because I think it's, it's both, there's two things here for me. It's the, what's wrong with a 40 something year old man who only wants to date 23 year olds? Mm-hmm. That's on the one hand. And then the other larger question is, what do we do about friends in our lives who behave shittily shittily is that shittily Shittily. okay who behave shittily to people who are not us right you know so this woman does not seem to be directly impacted in a negative way by her friends dating choices so does you know she could go on maybe happily having a friendship whatever she gets out of it and just ignore his dating choices um and i think for for a long time, I maybe would have said that's the way to go. You know, let mm-hmm. your friend live his life. And if you're not involved in his dating life, then it doesn't involve you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like our current political climate in many ways makes me feel that that's no longer an option. Right. I feel like at, at its heart, this is a question about two things. One is values. Do we mm-hmm. stay friends with people who do not share our values. And the other thing is fear. Um, because at the heart of this letter is fear that even though the letter writer says that this is he, she and this guy are just friends. She does not want a romantic relationship with him, you know, by making this choice, um, and by rejecting the idea of dating women, his own age or older, um, what he's saying is, Maybe I don't acknowledge this consciously, but your deepest fear about yourself is that you're never going to find another partner. And the reason for that is because you're old and because all the men that you might be interested in are only interested in the younger ones. And you're never going to be young again. And uh, sorry, but that's just the way of the world. I completely support it. And if you end up single and alone the rest of your life, well, too bad. That's just the way we men are. And I completely will participate in uh, making your worst fear come to pass. Yeah. And so I think tied into that, um, I so first of all, I want to acknowledge, I love that this letter writer has, um, we should start, you should come up with names to call them. Not like their real names, but like we should say, you know, um, I don't know what Uh, we would call her. Let's call her Doris. Doris. Okay. I love that Doris has confronted him about this already. So like, thank you, Doris, for, for taking... A step that a lot of people would be afraid to, yeah. to take. And maybe maybe that's a sign that this friendship is salvageable. And yes, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, but I, So I do think that's something to um, to be proud of. And I, it, I do wonder when he says, I just prefer younger women, um, I wonder if he's willing to look at the reasons why. Right. Um, and if, if there's been any deeper conversation as part of this confrontation, and I think this maybe goes to the question of whether this relationship is salvageable, um, I have a hard time. I can come up with my, my guesses as to why men do this. Right. Um, you know, it's they are see women only as sex objects, mm-hmm. and therefore they want a 23-year-old sex object um, who you know, boobs are pointing in a specific direction, that sort of thing. Right. Um, 
Or there are vulnerability issues, um, issues of control where he does not want an actual partner who could be on equal footing with right. him in a relationship. Um, maybe he's terrible in bed and 23-year-old right. women have much lower expectations. So maybe that's his deal. Um, so there's many reasons. Right. Or one that she's already demonstrated about being a woman in your 40s is you're going to hold the man in your life accountable. Yeah. This is probably not something you would have done at 23, but you're going to do it at 42 and you're going to do it at 52 and 62. And right. Right. Um, it just might be that you and all of us who are older and have a more defined set of expectations and aren't afraid to ask for them, you know, are going to ask for things that he doesn't want to offer and doesn't think he should have to offer. And, you know, the younger among us who haven't, you know, developed the skills of asking and demanding for that, like, yeah, they're easy. Right. And so I, I'm willing to concede that this man might have reasons for this dating choice that I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, the All the reasons I can imagine would also preclude me from wanting to be friends with this man. Right. Like if he sees women as sex objects... I don't want to be friends with him. If he has control issues and vulner- or vulnerability issues and doesn't want a partner in his life and doesn't want mm-hmm. an equal, I'm not sure I would want to be friends with him. Um, maybe I could I could be friends with a dude who's bad in bed that I'm not sleeping with. That's sure. <laughs> I mean, that's you probably wouldn't know about it. Right, but, right, yeah. right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is if, if Doris wanted to try to salvage this friendship, for me, a central question is why does he prefer these women? If Is he willing to have that bigger conversation, which would signal to me something about how he values your friendship, Doris? Um, and then, you know, maybe see what he says in the context of, is that a person you want to keep being friends with? Yeah. Because I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think it's all about looks. I don't look all that different than I did... 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm maybe 10 pounds heavier, but the rest of it's the same. And like, we, we both did that Facebook challenge. We both look great. We look great. (laughs) Um, You'll have to take our word for it because this is a podcast. We look amazing. Um, I, but I think what she wants and isn't going to get because this guy's not there and there's no cultural context for it. But I think what she wants is this guy to say, you know what? I get it. I'm an asshole. Uh, you have value. Women your age have value. Uh, you know, it goes. I I want a relationship that goes beyond youth and looks, and you know, not being challenged. Uh, you're right. I will date women my own age. Right. But I don't see that. You, happening. You, that's not going to happen. Are, are we so cynical, <laughs> Doris? If you um. <laughs> If, if you can prove us wrong on that, we would love to hear from you. Yes. Yes. I, w- I would love an update on this yeah. situation. Um, yeah. So he, I just want to offer this other, I'd like made all these suggestions to Doris about like asking him these questions and getting him to probe why he's doing this. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that would, would help her decide if the relationship is salvageable. And I just want to offer up a like, a completely opposite bit of advice from okay. that playing kind of devil's advocate, which sure. is to say that's a lot of emotional work for you, Doris, um, to do, to get him to the point where maybe he recognizes what's going on. And so I would just also say that maybe, 
maybe don't do that emotional labor on right. his behalf. I mean, and- what he's saying is, you know, right now you have no value, but five years ago you did. But haha, time w- goes in one direction. So yeah. you lose, I win. Haha. Oh. Um. So here's a here's a bit of advice that I wrote down for you. Um, you could go to him and say, you know, I know we're only friends and plan to remain just friends, but what you're doing feels like rejection to me. And it feels like you're taking this huge fear in my life that I'll never find another partner. And you're siding with the forces that show me day after day that this is a very real possibility. And that you're saying, yes, no one under the age of 65 or whatever wants to date you, Doris. And that's just the way it is. Get used to it. And yes, that includes me. And I completely support this as the outcome of your life. And he could, I mean, that's heavy. Oh man, Mo. Yeah, it is. It is. But I mean, you could test this guy's true metal by how he responds to that. And so that is an interesting, I feel like that's turning around. Make him do some of that emotional work. Right. Like, yeah, what if you did just say, this is why it bothers yeah. me so much. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I'm a proponent of making men do more emotional work. Right. Make him make him answer that question. And if his response is just to laugh at you or say, <laughs> or... <laughs> Whatever, Doris. You're just you're just not hot anymore. Like, get over it. Like you know. Then is that, maybe he's is not that your bro voice? That's my bro. That's my bro voice, Melissa. <laughs> okay, I like your bro voice. Maybe bro will come out and be like, yeah. I think that, that <laughs> when, when my devil's my devil's advocate, come, my devil comes out as the bro. The bro. Um, okay. But yeah, I don't I don't think that there there's gonna be a, a satisfying outcome to this situation. Um, no matter which way it goes. And I'm sorry. Yeah, maybe more female friends. Yeah, they don't, <laughs> they don't let you down quite at the rate. And if they are dating someone who's 23, you're like, yeah! Get it, girl. <laughs> Have you ever dated a much younger man? Um, I've dated someone who is nine years younger than me. Okay. Yeah. How about you? I, since my divorce, I went out on some dates with the... 30-year-old when I was 38. I did not enjoy it. Okay. Yeah. The sex was great. Eh. 30, yeah. my 30-year-old man. Oh, for 39. you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, um, I don't know. In my experience, they're easily confused. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't date anyone who was, like, in their 20s right yeah. now. But yeah, yeah. Like, early 30s, sure. Yes, I prefer men who are my age or... A little older is fine. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Um, I don't think I wrote it down, but our final question. Um, yes. Well, the final question. Was really is one sentence. It, yeah, you go, go ahead. And it was something like, should I run a credit rating on men I'm dating? Yes. I think it was. Um, yeah, that was it. That was it. I Something about, I mean, basically like. At what point, the way I was going to answer is like, at what point in dating someone do you reveal your financial history? Yes. And so I, I'm glad we got this question mm-hmm. because I think money is one of those things that people in relationships should talk about more. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's this weird taboo that is still kind of, you know, from the 
patriarchal assumption of like men make money and women don't mm-hmm. and like yeah th- and then it becomes this this power thing where you can't um it feels weird to talk about it so right. I'm, I'm excited to kind of dig into this question yeah and especially dating in midlife you know when you've accrued some of your own savings and have your own financial ducks in a row maybe you have children and you're saving for their college or you want to be able to provide for them um, you know, you have a lot to think about and maybe someone new who's coming into your life who did not contribute to your nest egg. Um, you want to, you want to protect that, but you also don't want to, uh, scare that person away. Or you want to know if this person has terrible credit and is broke and, uh, not responsible with their money. Like, right. And to me, the question then is, is less about, should I run a credit check and more, um, how important should or can financial health, if we could call it that, and responsibility be in a relationship? And right. when does that come into play? Yeah. Um, well, this goes back to what I said before. I'm a big proponent of uncomfortable conversations when sure. you're dating. Yeah. More so than running secret credit checks. So you can't, <laughs> I looked it up, you can't actually run a credit check on somebody else unless you're a landlord or have a court order. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so, then there you go. But you can run a, ch- a credit check on yourself. And so what I was going to recommend is that at some point where you feel the relationship is getting more serious, maybe you're talking about moving in together, maybe you're talking about buying property or getting legally married, like you sit down and you say, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hop on that Experian website and we're going to print out our credit reports and we're going to show them to each other. I think that's a good idea. And if the person you're with is hemming and hawing and doesn't want to do it or is like, okay, but like my credit rating is two and I owe money to 16,000 different people, you know? Right. Right. Okay. Well, at least that is out of the bag. Yeah. And I, so I think, um, kind of working backwards from that when you're starting a new relationship with somebody, I do think that maybe part of the, the background of this question was sort of when is it okay to have these, you know, because it could be hard if you get emotionally invested in a relationship right. and then you find out that the person has a terrible um, credit history and like, okay, we're never going to be able to buy a house or even rent an apartment together right. because, um, so I see the need to like, you know, maybe you want to protect yourself against that. But I do think there are a lot of other conversations you can have with somebody and mm-hmm. just other things you can start to look at you know you can look at the way the choices people make about how they spend their money um you can kind of gauge responsibility in other areas like you know none of this is a surefire thing but and i also think it's a mistake to confuse wealth with financial responsibility so lots of people could have money that they're spending very haphazardly and right. seem like they make a lot of money when maybe they're actually very deep in debt. So right. they may be, you know, throwing it around on that credit card and then paying the minimum every month. Right. So I think looking looking at how people make choices about what to spend their money, do they seem like a reasonably responsible person in all these other ways? Do they... Um, you know, do you feel comfortable talking to the person about money in a more general sense? Like, is it weird every time you go out to dinner and the bill comes? And like, or, yeah. or, or is it like you have some, um, you know, comfort level with having those kinds of conversations? Right. 
can, do you talk about your long-term or short-term goals? Like, oh, I'd love to, you know, own a house one day. And then you kind of see what that person does. Right. Um, so I think there's things you can look at. I do think financial health is an important facet of a relationship, but I think you have to be willing to start to have those conversations with right. people. And after those conversations, if it's clear that you're not on the same financial footing and that if you feel there's risk that you will be taken advantage of financially, then to like get stuff in writing and get that all out in the open. And uh, if that person is combative about that, then I think you have to reassess the relationship. Right. And because that's, that's another good point is that if you, you know, if you find out that the person you care about maybe doesn't have the best credit or the best financial background, like that doesn't preclude having a relationship with that person. Um, depending on what your goals for a relationship are, you could keep your finances separate and have a very fulfilling relationship where you feel like you're in control of your finances and he deals with his finances and that's just it. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't have to be a deal breaker, but it may change, you know, your long-term picture if it's a person who has terrible credit or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Moral of the story, don't be afraid to talk about money. Just talk about it and print out those credit reports yourselves yeah. and show them to each yeah. other. But don't sneakily run checks on people. No. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure, always. Yes, honesty. That's, that's a good... Yeah. All right. Well, this was great. Thank you, Melissa, for helping me to answer these questions. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you to the three people who submitted these really great Yes, thank you for questions. taking a chance on my new project. Um, and if you have a question you'd like for me to answer... Uh, please send it to nolovesigns at gmail.com. A couple of themes I'll be working with in the future are uh, beauty and settling. Oh, settling. Settling. So if you have any questions pertaining to physical attraction uh, or settling, the controversial topic, mm. please let me have them. All I'm right. excited for that episode. Me too. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you so much, Mo.